Welcome to the Smart Talk podcast, your shot of hope for the day, from Pastor Chris Smart of Hope Church Presbyterian in Tampa, Florida. If you would turn to Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom has built her house. I wonder if it ever gets to you when you feel yourself dithering between two different options in life. You probably know exactly what the right thing to do is and that you should do it, but you really look at some other option and, oh, it looks so pleasurable. It's just something that draws your attention very clearly, even though deep down you know it probably not a good idea. You ever catch yourself like that? Back and forth between knowing the right thing to do, but the wrong thing looks much more attractive and a lot better. Well, that's kind of the picture, very simply, that God's Word brings to us today to draw each of us to really contemplate the greatest choice that we could make. And when we go out here in our own daily lives, or whether we go abroad, like we've heard from Julia in North Africa, it's the same thing we're trying to do, is to bring the option of that choice to people who will not otherwise have it so clearly as we have it as followers of Jesus and those who have heard about Jesus. So, this choice is very simple. We're going to follow the, the outline uh, and, and let it speak to us today of, this, of the structure of chapter 9. First section, I think it's verse 1 to 6. The right choice, wisdom. Then you get this funny little section in the middle about the mocker. And I'm going to suggest to you that's about losing the power of choice. And then you see the other woman, the seductive woman, the dangerous woman, and how she models, exemplifies the wrong path that we can make in life. Now, we've met her before in these chapters in Proverbs, but this is the final kind of conclusion of this section of the book and brings it by taking the two characters together and saying, which one will define your life and your choices? So, we got the right choice to follow. You got both women mentioned in the passage. Both have got houses we're told wisdom has built her house. She's got seven pillars. Uh, she's laid out her table. She's doing everything there. And we're also told that her house was on the high places of the, the city. Verse 3, the highest point. And then later on, we discover that the, the unruly woman, in verse 13, the Lady Folly, she sits at her house, and it's also, verse 13, on the highest point of the city. So there's a very clear contrast being made between these two directions that we can go in life. And the high places, the world that's emphasizing these were very visible, that's one thing. But it's very likely that the temple in Jerusalem was the highest place. And so it's contrasting a religious choice with that of Lady Folly. So the right choice is about putting God first in your life and following Him, or following your own desires, and not going to a, a temple, but more like going to a brothel is in this picture. 
So it's a very graphic way of portraying two choices, two directions in life. And remember, it was written for young guys who are preparing for their career in life, hence the graphic nature of the picture, so helpful there. So it's a powerful choice as these guys were leaving home. And chapter 10 onwards is really when you get into the meat of the book of Proverbs, and it fires off proverb, wise saying after wise saying, like a machine gun fire. So you take these, these nuggets of wisdom and work them into your life. All of us need to do that, but especially when you're starting off in life, hitting university, hitting your career, moving forward. Here is a source of wisdom that's really going to help you clarify the important decisions that you will make in life, and particularly about the meaning of life, about where you'll find the ultimate pleasure in life. Is it at the temple, or is it in the other place, ultimately? Two very different paths. And though most people don't see the brothel as an option in life, it's, remember, it's not been so literal as it's as being pictorial and saying, well, there's a place where you can go where it's all about your desires or it's all about a desire for God. And that choice leads you in two entirely different directions, heaven and hell, ultimately. So when you come to the right choice, Lady Wisdom, she's doing everything she can to make it easy. It's public. It's open. She's laying out the table. She's inviting anyone and everyone in verses 5 and 6. And she says, you know, just come eat my food. Come drink the wine I have mixed. You know, what I will give you if you touch in divine wisdom, it will change your life. That's a simple picture. And who has it been offered to? Do you have to be really religious? Do you have to be somebody who's kept their life clean in order to go up to this high place where God is? No. Verse 5 and 6 says you can be a complete and total fool, a complete eejit, as we would say back in Scotland. And, and even if you are a complete fool, you can come and discover an entirely different way of life. It will transform your thinking, your feeling, your choosing, everything. That's ultimately the message of Christianity, as you come to Jesus Christ, you discover this path of life, and it's not just for those who've got their act together, it's for those who've made a complete dog's dinner of their life, who really messed things up. That's what it's emphasizing, isn't it? She's a fool. You fool, come here. You're welcome. That's good news, my friends, because at the end of the day, there's a strong streak of foolishness in all of us, because we're human. So, she's inviting us. Wisdom is saying, what is wisdom saying? Be totally centered on God. Over these chapters, we've seen the motto of this book. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It comes up there again in verse 10. It's saying, as God-focused, God-centered life will give you the greatest joy, the greatest pleasure, and the greatest satisfaction in life even if the other alternatives look really seductive, they're ultimately going to lead you down the wrong path. So which woman do you want to marry? That's the choice. Which, which of these personifications is going to symbolize the directions you're going in life? 
two very different paths to live. Your way, God's way. Simple as that. And here's the catch for some of us, I think really for all of us, is if there's one house on this side of the road and the other house is on that side of the road, and you know that this is the, this is the right way to live, but you're attracted to this side, so you go over here. And sometimes you're over here, and then you oh, I'm doing wrong. Better go back over here. And then next day, oh, back over here. And you dither back and forth, back and forth, swinging back and forth. Why? Because there's a battle inside you. Even when you know the right way to live, you will be tortured sometimes with the temptation to go the wrong way. You want to dig into that? Read Romans chapter 6 and 7. It's all there. But there's a, a young guy that's sung about this recently, and he's, he's, he's hit it big uh, online, David Kushner, and he, he puts it so well, so I just want to quote his, his lyrics to you at this point about that zigzagging between the house of Lady Wisdom or the house of, of Lady Folly. Oh, I, I love it and I hate it at the same time, he sings. You and I drink the poison from the same vine. Oh, I love it and I hate it at the same time. Hiding all our sins from the daylight, from the daylight, running from the daylight, from the daylight, running from the daylight. Oh, I love it and I hate it at the same time. You feel like that? You know this is the right side of the road to be on. That's the wrong side. You know it, but you want it. You're pulled. Why are you pulled across the road? Because there's something deeply flawed in human nature. The Bible doesn't paint a pretty picture. It just tells us as it is. And if you don't understand that story of the Bible, you will not understand yourself. To know God is to begin to also get to know and understand yourself. And you will then understand this conflict and this battle. And who hasn't felt that battle? Some of you are probably right in the midst of it just now. Now, the second section of this passage is fascinating because it really kind of sums up this idea of losing the power of choice. You know, if the, if the choice is so important, you don't want to lose the, the options, do you? But there's a category of people that something's gone so wrong in their lives that they haven't even now got the ability to make the right choices. That's scary. Who are they? You see, people who make regularly the wrong choices in life set, kind of set their character into stone and then find it so hard to break out of that way of thinking. And so, verses 7 to 12, you have this comparison between two different reactions to really the same thing. What's the same thing? It's being receiving criticism. How do you like it when people criticize you? really likes criticism. But there's two very different ways of responding to it. Verse 7 says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. You try and give somebody some good advice, and they throw it back in your teeth. Who are you dealing with? A fool. You're dealing with a mocker. Or you could give the same advice to somebody who's wise. How will they respond to it? Verse 12, if, you, if you're wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you'll suffer alone. Very different. Rebuke the wise, verse 8, and they will love you. So, how do you respond to criticism? It will tell you 
if you're in danger of being kind of turned into stone, so you really just can't even make the choice for the right thing. So, who is the fool? Who's the mocker? Who's the scoffer? Why can't they make the decision to go the right path? Well, a scoffer is somebody who can't be saved as long as they keep thinking as a scoffer thinks. To quote one of the writers on this passage, a scoffer is anyone who never accepts correction. He thinks other people really need his or her opinions. She or he is easily offended. He is above other people, and if someone seems to threaten his or her superiority, they scoff, they mock, they mouth off, they denigrate. They can't be told can't be told. That's what makes it so dangerous. Because if this really is the path to death, and this is the path to life over here, and you can't get through to them because they just laugh at everything, then how are they going to discover life? They can't be told that they are sinners. They laugh at the idea of sin. Babies born in sin? Or that Christ is the only way to heaven when there's so many religions in the world? Or that there's life beyond death and dead men come back from the grave? Who, who are you kidding? They scoff. They mock. They laugh. Therefore, they can't hear and they can't choose. They can't hear wisdom as she calls out to them, come sit at my table and be blessed. Now, be careful. Anybody could fall into this way of thinking. How do you make a mocker? Well, came across a very interesting illustration from a guy called Paul Vischer, if I pronounce his name correctly, who was the creator of VeggieTales. And he spoke at Yale University in 2005, and he explained things this way about being a scoffer or a mocker. I think he must have been referring to his own experience before he stopped thinking like that and became a follower of Jesus. And so he said, for me, in 2005, for me and many others in my generation, the real root of our cynicism is personal. When we were very young, our parents broke their promises, their promises to each other, their promises to us. And millions of American kids, in a very short period of time, learned that the world isn't a safe place, that there isn't anyone who won't let you down, that their hearts were much too fragile to leave exposed. And sarcasm, as C.S. Lewis put it, builds up around a man the finest armor plating that I know. So sometimes the sarcasm, the cynicism, the scoffing is because you've been let down and you've been hurt, and then you're left wondering, that's too good to be true that there's a perfect father out there after all called God. And if you let that thinking dwell in your heart, it will poison you. You need to exercise it. You need it out. It will kill you. So beware. Pain can grow weeds in your soul that will choke the good things in life. 
That's why you have this funny little section, verses 7 to 12, a warning about the scoffer. And then, once you've looked at that, then you look at the last section and the wrong choice in life, if you like. Well, really, we're thinking of making the right choice today. But before you do that, you're, you're given that visual display of the woman in the other house. She's over here, isn't she? And she is all about one thing, scratching where it itches, your desires. She is a creature, verse 13, of desires. She is simple and knows nothing. She doesn't understand life. She only understands desires. And that's like a fire that wants to burn and consume without asking questions about consequences. That's the kind of mentality we have pictured here. And it's attention-grabbing, verse 15. She's at a high place too. She's calling out to those who are passing by. She's just mirroring everything the right path does. The wrong path also does. Making it very clear contrast. And verse 16, she says, let all who are simple, speaking to the simple as well, come to my house, for stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. And she's not telling a lie at that point. That's true. There are lots of pleasures out there that you will enjoy, and, and you'll gratify you in different ways. Scripture's not denying there isn't physical pleasure in all of these things or, or whatever, but if they're in the wrong context, for example, the whole area of making love, if it's in the wrong context, not between a man and a woman in a covenanted lifelong relationship called marriage, there'll be consequences that aren't maybe foreseen. And actually, don't do you good in the long run. That's a very specific area. That's the picture it's using. But remember, this is much broader. This is ultimately about your will, your desires, or following God's will and His desires for you. And so, this woman who's saying it's all about me and what I want in life, where does that kind of thinking lead you to? Well, remember the fairy story, Hansel and Gretel, as they ate everything that was sweet and followed the path with all the candy on it. Where did it lead? If I got my stories right, wasn't it to a witch's house, a gingerbread house or something like that? I can't remember now, but it wasn't good, and it was death, potentially anyway. And so, if you live your life pursuing your desires and allowing them to dominate, despising wisdom and a higher divine wisdom, it's warning you right now, it ain't going to be so good. If you don't believe me, believe as I think they were called the animals who sung about this song back in the 60s when they said, there is a house in New Orleans. They call it the rising… Come on, you old rockers, you know this. I know you know this. The rising sun… And it's been the ruin of many a poor boy. They've been singing that song perhaps since the 1800s, maybe even earlier. And it goes on about this. Oh, mother, tell your children not to do what I have done. Spend your lives in sin and misery in the house of the rising sun. 
again, a graphic picture, your life, your desires, your will, what will happen? Well, your desires are like a fire. What happens when you put fuel on the fire? It doesn't go out, does it? It gets hotter. It only consumes more, and it becomes uncontrollable, and the consequences can be devastating. I don't know if any of you have been watching uh, Netflix, Arnold Schwarzenegger, three-part series on Arnold's life. Fascinating. Body wrestler, and then what he did after that. Actor, and then politician. Unusual life, unusual career. Wonderfully honest part right at the end of episode three, when he talks about his family. He was married into the, the Kennedy family. And Arnold's such an appealing commentator in his own life. It's really worth watching. And then there's this brutal honesty when he talks about his infidelity, that he literally had so much on one side of the road, and he crossed the road and slept with the housekeeper. And he's so honest about it, your heart goes out to him. Because he says, you know, I just caused so much pain, and he rattles off everybody unforeseen consequences because you fed the desire like a fire until the fire literally burns down your house. So, you could be the most successful human being on the planet, Mr. Universe, the guy that was the biggest blockbuster, the guy who became governor of California, all rolled up into one, and you can still burn your house down if you don't listen to the wisdom from above. So, here is the whole point of this. It's pointing a clear choice and then that song by the animals, The House of the Rising Sun, they, they bring it to that choice too. Well, I got one foot on the platform, the other foot on the train. I'm going back to New Orleans to wear that ball and chain in the House of the Rising Sun. So, you don't want to do that, do you? Okay? You want to pick the right choice. You want to cross the road if you're on the wrong path, if you're wanting to live in the wrong house and you're suddenly waking up and realize, no, that's life over there. God, Jesus. Not all about me, but all about others. The love of God and the love of others. How do you cross that road? You're literally doing a U-turn. You're changing direction. You've been heading across the road and zigzag back over that road. And if you do that, it's called repentance doing a change in direction, going that way, now you're going to go that way. And it's so interesting that that's how John the Baptist begins his ministry. That's how Jesus begins his ministry by saying, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Do what? Repent and believe the good news. And then the apostles begin their ministry, Acts chapter 2. Same thing, repent, be baptized. Two paths, two houses, two ways to live your life. The choice is before you today. Which way will you go? Run, not from the daylight, run to the daylight. Run to the one who is the daylight. Run to Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. For He is calling somebody here right now to come home. Will you do that? Suppose you've been in this battle for too long, and you're weary, and you've, you've lived in the wrong house for so long, and maybe you're thinking, will God even want me? I'm telling you today, He loves you, and He'll take you, despite 
anything you've done on that other side of the road. And if you're a Christian and you've been wobbling back and forth for years, stop. Repent. Return. And be renewed. That's an option for any of you here today. Not because of the words I'm saying, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. He can make it so. So, there's a choice. A prayer must be made. And Christ is calling you right now. So pray. If you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, to trust that He has done everything necessary through His death to wipe out everything you've done on the wrong side of the road. And He's done everything necessary through His life and death to bring you into the right side of the road. Then very simply come to Him now in prayer and ask Him. And if you're already a Christian but you're a zigzagger back and forth, come. Just pray the prayer from your own heart to Him as if for the first time. Amen? Okay, let's pray and mean it. And if you've done it, please tell me afterwards, because that's part of the way of affirming what you're doing. Father, God in heaven, you live on the right side of the road, and we've been living on the wrong side. And now we ask that we can change sides. So I come today believing in you and in Jesus Christ. Until now, my trust has been elsewhere, in my own goodness and decency. But this has only brought me trouble as I've given into my own desires. So as far as I know my own heart today, I give it to you. I transfer my trust to you and ask that you would receive and accept me not for anything I have done, but because of everything Christ has done. So, let it be. And if you've prayed that prayer today, don't keep it secret. Let me know. Tell someone, and Jesus will bless you for being open and honest about what has transpired between you and Him in the secret of your own heart right now. Amen. You have been listening to Pastor Chris Smart at Smart, sponsored by Hope Church Presbyterian in Tampa, Florida. If this message has encouraged you, please visit our website where you can leave a comment, a prayer request, or find out more information about Smart Talk. Our website is hopefortampa.com Smart Talk. That is H-O-P-E number four, tampa.com forward slash S-M-A-R-T-A-L-K. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with friends. And join us again next time.